0: Thank you, Anita. Thank you, Ruthann, for ministering the music. Years ago, Ken and Arlene Updike were missionaries in Ghana, West Africa. And they went through some very difficult and trying times as they ministered in Ghana, West Africa. In one of those trying times, Arlene penned these words. Into the crucible, tested by fire, God poured my spirit to suffer and burn. There in the agony, fainting and heart sore, I cried to him for relief from distress. Father, so weak am I, bearing this testing. Gone is my strength, till I see it no more. How can I run the race when I am so slow, Lord? Weary and weakened, I plead for thy help. Softly he spoke to me. Within this crucible, I shall yet try thee to come forth as gold. Trust in the goldsmith to fashion a beautiful object to glorify Jesus alone. So I allow him to do as he will. Silently under his hand, I will trust. He's my sufficiency. What matters, weakness? God is my help. I shall come forth as gold. And if you know anything about Arlene Updike and have read some of her letters, there's a golden quality about her, golden character that has been fashioned in testing. And I'm sure Job felt at times that he was in the Lord's crucible. His wealth, his possessions are gone. All but four of his servants were killed. His ten children are dead. He has lost his physical health, having painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. His wife told him, curse God and die. After spending seven days in silence, three comforters Insisted that Job had sinned. His sin was the cause of his losses and suffering. He also claimed that his children must have sinned. Then a fourth man came along. And he continues by telling Job the same thing as the others. That Job, you have sinned in some way. All four communicated what could be called retribution theology. That is... You sowed evil, so you're reaping evil. And as Job interacts and responds to his comforters, he requests an audience with God. He wants to present his case to the Lord. He wants some answers from the Lord. And this comes out of Job's heart like a thunderstorm in chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 10, chapter 13. Chapter 16, chapter 17, and chapter 23. God, I want an audience with you. We know, as we discussed last week, and His sovereign grace, the Lord grants Job his request to speak to him. And We know that the Lord said, Job, prepare yourself, because I'm going to question you, and you will answer me. And keep in mind that that is addressed to a man who has lost his wealth, his children, and his health. And God gives a quiz in chapters 38 and 39. I call it just a little quiz. Question after question involving creation. Where were you, Job? Can you do this? And so on. And Job comes away from that quiz. And he says, in chapter 40 and verse 3, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer twice. But I will say no more. It seems like Job is changing through God's response to him. Because he clearly says I'm unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer twice. But I will say no more. What happens next is interesting in verse 6. That the Lord says, Job, prepare. Verse 6, then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself like a man. Brace yourself. Why? I. The Lord will question you, and you, Job, shall answer me. Here's a man who is suffering the loss of his ten children, suffering the loss of his servants, suffering the loss of his wealth, suffering the loss of his health, and in some respects suffering the loss of the comfort of his friends, in the sense that they're telling him he is wrong. And the Lord says, Job, I'm going to question you again. Brace yourself. I will question you, and you shall answer me. And in that context, I pose a question. Why would the Lord make himself darker rather than provide light? Why another test? Why more questions? Didn't Job have enough? Wasn't Job repentant? Why? Another question, or does the Lord allow, or does the Lord show darkness so one is prepared for the light? Until we recognize we cannot, we don't rest totally in the Lord. We're slow to turn to the Lord completely as long as we have another trick or plan in our bag. In the midst of your trial or a trial that I may have, do we have another plan or method? We reach into our pocket and say, well, I'll use this. Are you at the end of your tools in your trial? Is your family at the end of your tools in the trial you may have as a family? Are we as a church at the end of our tools in our current trial? Is the Lord, is Christ alone in themselves sufficient. Are we as a church choosing to totally depend upon the Lord in this season? Are you as a family, if you're going through a trial, are you as an individual going through a trial, are you choosing to depend totally upon the Lord? If we think we will do better If our present trials end, are we displaying that the Lord, that Christ, are not sufficient in the present trial? Oh, if I just get through this, I'll do better. If we can't find Christ, if we can't find the Lord to be sufficient in the present, will we we find him to be sufficient when our trials change or get over? Perhaps God is wanting Job to be sure he's at the end of his bag of tricks. That he has no answers. So what happens? Quiz 2 comes along. Verse 8 of chapter 40. Will you discredit my justice? Job, will you discredit my justice? This is the Lord speaking. Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Pretty heavy-duty questions when the creator of the universe is posing them. Do you have an arm like God's? Can your voice thunder like his? Now remember... The Lord is speaking to Job out of the storm. Apparently, you have an arm like God that your voice can thunder like his. Then adore yourself with glory and splendor and clothe yourself with honor and majesty. Unleash the fury of your wrath. Look at every proud man and bring him low. Look at every proud man and humble him. Crush the wicked where they stand. Bury them all in the dust together. Shroud their faces in the grave. Then I myself will admit to you that your own right hand can save you. Some heavy duty stuff there. Job. Job. Unleash your wrath. Look at proud men, every proud man, and humble them. The wicked, you know, bury them in the dust. Then I, the Lord, will admit that your right hand can save you. Job, your right hand can't save you, obviously, is what the Lord is com- communicating. And then in the balance of chapter 40, look the behemoth which I made along with you, which feeds on grass like an ox. And there is debate and question as to what animal the Lord is referring to. No, we're not positive. But as you read on, we're dealing with an animal that is great and mighty and powerful. It says, I made him along with you, which feeds on grass like an ox. What strength he has in his loins, what power in the muscles of his belly. His tail sways like a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are close-knit. And he goes on to describe. And then in verse 24, can anyone capture him by the eyes or trap him and pierce his nose? God is communicating. The Lord is communicating his greatness to Job. Job. Look in chapter 41 and verse one, "Can you pull the levithaw with a fishhook or tie down his tongue with a rope?" Again, there's some question that what creature this might be, some, I think maybe a crocodile? But whatever the Lord goes on, can you put a cord through his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will He keep begging you for mercy? Will he speak to you with gentle words? Will he make an agreement with you for you to take him as your slave for life? Can you make a pet of, like a bird, or of him like a bird or put him on a leash for your girls? And he goes on again with a series of questions describing this creature. Verse 18, his snorting throws out flashes of light. His eyes are like the rays of dawn. Firebrands stream from his mouth. Sparks of fire shoot out. Smoke pours from his nostrils as from a boiling pot over a fire of reeds. And again, he goes on to describe the animal or creature. But he asks Job, can you pull this creature in with a fish hook or tie his tongue down? The second quiz for Job. Again, he has no answer. Job responds. He says in verse 2 I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. Job, in essence, is backed up against the wall. He's been questioned. He's been brought to the end of his rope. He can't reach into his pocket or into his bag and pull out another explanation. He can pull, not pull out a trick. He has nothing. And he hasn't got any answers from God. Just question after question after question. Lord, Lord, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You're sovereign. Brubaker paraphrase, I don't know what you're doing, Lord. I have no answers. I have no explanation. I can't even begin to understand. But you're going to do what you want to do. And then he says in verse 3 You ask, this is Job speaking, you ask, Who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I do, did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. Lord, I'm humbled. in my wanting an audience with you and my having some thinking about what was going on i spoke of things i didn't understand things too wonderful for me to know lord i admit i was going into territory that i shouldn't have went into i had no idea where i was going he goes on in verses 4 and 5 and i say these I it as, Lord, I've experienced you. You said, "Listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me." My eyes have heard of, or my ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Lord, I've experienced you. I wanted an audience with you. I said some things about you. I was trying to explain to some extent what was going on. I wanted an explanation. And in your grace, you responded to me. You didn't ignore me. You didn't put me in a shelf. You responded. And Lord, I don't have an answer. I do have anything I can say but I've experienced you. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Here we have the creator, sustainer, the independent, self-existing being of the universe communicating with one of his creatures. And that creature being able to communicate back to the Father, communicate back to the Lord. Grace. But Job goes on. Lord, I despise myself. And I repent. I despise myself. I repent. I turn from trying to explain. I turn from trying to pursue justice and so on. The one who had the testimony by the Lord himself to be blameless Upright, fears God and shuns evil, is despising himself and repenting. Why? What has the Lord done in Job's life? He, the Lord, lets Job know. He is sovereign Lord. He is creator. As Lord, he answers to no one nor can anyone fully understand him and figure him out. I think Job is understanding that. He lets Job know that he does not need to give answers or explain himself to his creatures. He's a sovereign Lord. He may, but he don't have to. Job understands that. He lets Job know that he alone is sufficient and satisfies. He is the answer to Job's desires. Job sees his demanding heart and he repents. Job, you want an answer? You want an explanation? I alone. Am your answer. you study the text and you ponder it. He lets Job know that answers, responses, reasons, explanations do not satisfy. They only create a desire for more answers, more reasons, more explanations, because the person is in the driver's seat, not the Lord. God, just give me an answer, and I'll be content. No, you won't, Job, because I give you an answer, then the next thing comes along, and you want another answer. Job. Answers, reasons, explanations don't satisfy. Job sees the emptiness, I think, of having an explanation He realizes one explanation leads to a demand for another explanation. The demanding never ends. What freedom comes with giving up all demands. Lord, I'll let you be Lord. There is not the freedom and the contentment that the Lord desires until we crawl out of the driver's seat and let the Lord be Lord. How many times have we, as we go through the trials of life and people down through the ages go through the trials of life, Lord, just give me an answer and I'll be content. And they get an answer and the next situation comes around, Lord, give me an answer and I'll be content. I think the Lord is calling Job to radical faith. Trust me. Even though you have no answers, reason, explanation for losing your wealth, your children, and your health. Trust me. Trust me. But, Lord, trust me. Job wanted answers, it seems that way, more than the Lord. As you read the flow of the whole book and see the interaction that takes place. The Lord wanted Job to have him. Rather than answers, an explanation is a poor substitute for the Lord. The Lord wants to be in the driver's seat, not Job. And this kind of faith creates questions from others. Especially unbelievers. Job, what's going on in your life? I have no idea. I don't know what's going on. But God gave me a quiz. I failed. I don't have any answers. I repented. But I trust him. I trust him. I trust him. Individuals in our church have faced trials, will face trials, do face trials. Couples and families face trials. As a church, we're facing a trial. Trials will come in the future. What does the Lord desire to be doing in our lives? He wants us to know, to live in light of the fact that He is sovereign Lord, He creator rest he alone is sovereign like the little kid that was fearful at night as he went to bed in the dark and he called out dad said you'll be okay And finally the father came and laid beside the child and the child rested. As we go through the trials of life, we want answers, we want explanations, we want reasons. And the Lord is saying, I'm sovereign, rest. He wants us to know that He does not need to give answers or explain Himself to His children. He may at times, but He's not under no obligation to do that. He doesn't have to give an answer. He wants us to know, to live, that He alone is sufficient and satisfies. He is the answer to all our desires. Lord, why? What's going on? I don't understand my life. He says, You have me. I alone am sufficient. He wants us to know that answers, responses, explanations do not satisfy. It's not that they're wrong. But they tend to create a desire for more answers, more reasons, more explanations, because we are in the driver's seat, not the Lord. I remember going to Geisinger Hospital in Danville when my brother first went into the hospital. And he and I, we talked for a while. And I could see Orv had some questions going through his mind. We interacted and uh, part of what was going through his mind was, Lord, what's going on? Why? It was sometime later when he was in the hospital again and he knew that Probably his time was limited. And we had another conversation, very deep conversation. But the conversation was much different. There was no "why" questions. There was no discussion of, well, "What's the reason for this? Give me some explanations," as the response was, "I'm resting." I don't know why this is happening. I don't know what's going on in life. I don't know what's going to happen with my wife, my children and my grandchildren and their families. But the Lord's in the driver's seat. I think God wants us to experience that in our lives. The Lord is calling us to radical faith. Trust me, even though you have no answers, no reason, no explanation for the trials we face individually as couples, as a family, as a church. Just trust me. Trust me. That's radical faith. I have no answer, I have no explanation, but I will trust. We're tempted to want answers more than we want the Lord. Just give me an answer, Lord. The Lord says, no, I want you to have me. The Lord wants us to have him above rather than answers. And it's not that answers are wrong. But God did not give answers to Job. He gave himself. He says, I am sovereign. I am Lord. The Lord wants us or wants to be in the driver's seat. Not us. Do you ever ride with someone without a brake on the passenger side? and no steering wheel on the passenger side, and you think, never ride with them again. Why? You don't have control. Will we trust the Lord when we don't have control? This kind of faith creates questions from others, especially on believers and those close to us who see our lives and how we respond. So I don't understand. You keep trusting the Lord. Even though you don't have answers. Into the crucible, tested by fire. God poured my spirit to suffer and burn. There in the agony, feigning and heart sore. I cried to him for relief from distress. Father, so weak am I, bearing this testing. Gone is my strength till I see it no more. How can I run the race when I am slow, Lord? Weary and weakened, I plead for thy help. Softly he spoke to me. Within this crucible, I shall yet try thee to come forth as gold. Trust in the goldsmith to fashion a beautiful object to glorify Jesus alone. So I allowed him to do all he willeth. Silently under his hand, I will trust. He's my sufficiency. What matters? Weakness. God is my help. I shall come forth as gold. Job came forth as gold. Job's three friends were instructed by the Lord to go to Job and have Job pray for them. Because Job did not respond as they did. And we know that Job prayed for his friends and then God made Job prosperous again. His health was restored. He had... Ten more children and became very wealthy. He trusted in the darkness. Do we surrender to the Lord in that way? Let's sing together as Travis comes.